Captain Cajun, 1600 AM, KLEB, and 102.7 FM. Hey, what's up, everybody? It is Play by Play coming to you live here on this Friday. Casey Jiskler here. We hope everybody's enjoying their final day of the work week. Hope everybody is either preparing to knock off maybe a little early, as some of you all do, or if you're locked in until 5 o'clock, that's okay, too. No big deal. We'll make it happen for you and entertain you until 1 o'clock when we get off of the air today. Y'all. Say this every Friday. It's game day! It is game day. We are fired up. We're ready to go. We've got high school football games up and down the schedule tonight. We've also got college football tomorrow. LSU trying to make a statement, trying to get to 1-0 in SEC play, trying to beat a very good Mississippi State team. Nichols trying to beat Southeast Missouri, trying to get their first win of the year. The Saints are trying to beat Tom Brady. I could go on and on and on and on. It is game day in Southeast Louisiana, and we are fired up for what the next 72 hours of football have to bring to everybody across the Pelican State. Let's thank our sponsors, the Blue Boot Foundation, Southland Dodge and Homa, Industrial Power Systems for all your engine and generator needs because power is our middle name. Friend Building Materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz Off, the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South Lafouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. Also, <clears throat> join us tomorrow, Saturdays, every Saturday, 10 o'clock, for the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System with Stan Gravois and myself. For the latest in local high school, college, and professional sports from your local sports experts. Sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company. Presented by Terrebonne General Health System. It's the Sports Corner every Saturday from 10 to noon here on KLEB. But also on our sister station ESPN 100.3. Tonight. Every Friday night. Tonight, join us for varsity football coverage. Pre-game, 6.30 p.m. Kickoff, 7 o'clock. South Lafouche taking on Central Lafouche down the bayou in Galliano. This one will be a matchup of parish rivals. And our broadcast is sponsored by the following. 3T Oil, Lady of the Sea General Hospital, State Bank and Trust Company, Advanced Eye Institute, State Farm Agent Ashley Barrios, Danos, Golden Motors, Dufresne Building Materials, Tanner McGee for Judge Court of Appeals, Thibodeau Regional Medical Center, Joe Septic Contractors, Terrebonne General Medical Center, Southland Dodge, Rouse's Markets, South Lafouche Bank, Rev, and Heather Hendricks, candidate for Lafouche Parish Judge. Division A, sorry, I had to turn off the mic to sneeze. Uh, can y'all tell we've been outside throughout the course of the week? Allergies continue to act up. Um, hope everybody is having a wonderful day today. After tonight's football game, a reminder. Last reminder, and then we'll get into it. Join us for After the Lights, presented by Grandal Shipyard. One of our top local supporters is GIS. GIS is a strategic energy partner with main headquarters located in Galliano. With over 20 locations and over 20 service offerings, GIS has expanded itself to provide their capabilities across the nation as well as globally. There are many opportunities available to, available to join the GIS team. 
You can visit their website at www.gisy.com to learn more about starting your career with GIS today. So that's After the Lights presented by Grand Isle Shipyard after the game goes final tonight between the Tarpons and the Trojans. So today we've got a fun show. We've got Chandler Guitro, South Lafouche, joining us at noon. Um, usually he's an 1145 guy. He's joining us at noon. It's a pep rally schedule on campus today, so he'll be on duty at 1145. We'll have him at noon. Damien St. Pierre, 1215. Um, 12.30 weekend predictions, 12.45 betting picks, and then we're out of here. In the next segment of the show, I'll talk about some NFL football, some college football, everything of the sort. Um, But I want to recap some things that happened last night on the local sports scene because there were two big results, both one in the middle school ranks and one in the high school ranks. Let's start in the middle school ranks where you get E.D. White scoring a 14-12 victory over West Thibodeau. E.D. White gets a 14-12 victory over West Thibodeau. And I know you guys are wondering, well, what's the significance of that? I'll tell you. E.D. White stays undefeated on the season. And then that means their next matchup on Tuesday, which will be against LCO, will be undefeated versus undefeated which means that the winner of that game, highly likely, barring some type of crazy, unexpected result here coming home, the winner of that game is going to win the Paris Championship. It'll be somewhat of a winner-take-all, and I get it. There are still some other games on the schedule, so if you're a fan of some other team that's facing LCO or ED White after Tuesday's game and you want to get mad at me and you want to say, oh, man, you know, you don't assume anything, okay, I hear you, bro. But Tuesday's matchup is likely... 99.999% sure going to be the deciding factor in the Paris Championship race. I want to give some kudos and some attaboys to the E.D. White team because, look, <clears throat> I went to the Lions Club Jamboree. I saw them play Golden Meadow. I went to their first game of the season, which was against Golden Meadow. If you would have told me after the Jamboree, or after the first game, that E.D. White would be in position to win the Paris Championship, I wouldn't have believed it. Early in the year, they just weren't playing well. They weren't all that physical. They weren't you know, blocking well. They, they just looked kind of blah. Like, they didn't look very good. The Jamboree, they tied 0-0 to Golden Meadow. Golden Meadow was actually driving and was potentially going to score before the Jamboree ended. Then in the season opener, Golden Meadow takes an early lead, and yeah, E.D. White bounces back. They win like 20-6 to six or something like that. But it wasn't an overly impressive showing of force. <clears throat> I, quite frankly, would have likely picked West Thibodeau to win the game yesterday against E.D. White. But the Cardinals have progressively gotten better and better and better, and they get a big road win against West yesterday and set the stage now for a big matchup against LCO. That one will be out at E.D. White. That one will be on Tuesday. If you are in the vicinity of the Thibodeau area, or if you are live down the bayou and just want to go watch a fun game, going out there on Tuesday, that's going to be a lot of fun. That's going to be a lot of fun. Can the E.D. White defense slow down the power running game of LCO? So far this season, teams have been able to do it for a quarter or two but never for the full game, right? They kind of break you down as the game goes on. And then likewise, on the flip side to that, E.D. White is proficient throwing it. They throw the football a little bit. They've got a good little quarterback. They've got some good little receivers that get down the field. Can the LCO secondary slow down the E.D. White passing attack? Because at times this year, 
If there has been an area where you could attack LCO defensively, it's kind of throwing in and trying to get it over the top of their head or maybe throwing in short and they break some tackles and make some men miss. <clears throat> That's going to be a lot of fun next Tuesday, and I cannot wait to see how it shakes out. Now, on the local high school level, last night, the game that I actually attended in person was HL Bourgeois and Ellender. Remember we said on yesterday's show as a matchup of two teams that were both 0-2, two teams that both desperately needed a win. It was H.L. Bourgeois who gets the 26-14 win over Ellen there last night. They get to 1-2. The Patriots drop to 0-3. Some fast reaction and some thoughts on the game. Um, elephant in the room, and I'm going to try to say this as less bluntly as I can. Neither team played well last night. That was an ugly, ugly football game. On the H.L. Bourgeois side of things, they must have jumped off sides on a hard count like 10 times. Ellender could have run their base offense being the hard count offense, and five times out of 10, they would have gotten five free yards because H.L. Bourgeois. And this is a consistent theme as we saw it also in the Jamboree for them. They have a hard time up front. They're so aggressive. They want to go get the football. You hard count them. They're all, and it ain't just one guy. They're all jumping in the neutral zone and giving them free yards. Penalties were a huge issue for H.L. Bourgeois last night. They just were able to overcome it. And the reason why they were able to overcome it is because Ellender's bugaboos were even worse. The Patriots turned over the ball like a bakery last night. The entire game, it felt like, was played with Ellender driving in H.L. Bourgeois territory and then just doing something to find a way to not score. Throwing interceptions getting stopped on fourth down, whatever it may be, Ellender just couldn't break through, and they couldn't figure out ways to put the ball in the end zone last night. And even though, if you look at the total stats of the game, Ellender probably outgained H.L. Bourgeois. If I had to guess, it may have been even, but I think looking back on it, Ellender probably outgained them a little bit. They just couldn't get the points on the board because they get into the red zone. They would just stall or they would turn it over, or, you know, tip pass interception or whatever it may be. They had like five or six turnovers last night. That's not a winning formula. That's not something that's sustainable. Now that we've gotten the negative things out of the way that both teams did, let's focus on the positive. Gavin Vordick for HL Bourgeois is an animal. He was running the ball, taking over the game in the second half. He's their quarterback, but they were doing a lot of design quarterback runs. His physical, hard-nosed running style was literally taking over the game, and he willed his team to a win last night. That was super impressive to see. What was also impressive to see is, look, Ellender's got some playmakers. They've got some dudes. They've got a very explosive, shifty running back. Uh, Royal Williams and Virgin and all those other guys that on the edges at wide receiver, they've got guys that can make plays. For the Patriots, they've got to learn how to finish. And for H.L. Bourgeois, they've got to learn how to clean up their act and, and stay out of their own way. Going forward, Bourgeois will take on Terrebonne this coming Friday. That's going to be a matchup where they could potentially do some things, have some success. And for Ellender, they're taking on Morgan City. That's one where you'd better be sitting down next week talking about how badly you won. Because if you're struggling there, and that's a competitive game, it oh, Things get so, so much darker from there as you get into your local 4A district. But I think the Patriots will be okay. So it's Bourgeois who gets the win. They're 1-2. and two. Ellender loses. They drop to 0-3. Quite frankly, 
Just being honest, just being real, both teams showed why they came into the game 0-2. Neither team played particularly well, but HL Bourgeois is the team that does a little bit more and gets the win and moves to 1-2 and on the season. And we congratulate Coach Sterling Washington and his crew on a job well done beating a parish rival. And now they move forward to take on Terrebonne, try to go 2-2, two for two, try to beat another Terrebonne parish rival next Friday. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to talk some LSU. We'll talk some Saints. We'll talk maybe a little Thursday night football. And then after that, we'll get back to the high school scene with Chandler Guitros at noon. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this quick timeout. Dear, looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear, Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control, safe, effective, guaranteed. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dufresnelumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. As a leader in the oil and gas industry, Joe's Septic Contractors caters to oil field clients offering vacuum truck service for offshore tanks, vessels, or treatment plants containing sewage or gray water. Their rental department offers state-of-the-art offshore portable toilet also holding tank rentals and portable hand washing stations. Call Joe's Septic Contractors 24-7-985-632-5592. In Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fushaw, Abbeville, and Reserve, or visit their website at joesseptic at viscom.net. At Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. Want to become a certified babysitter? Terrebonne General Health System is excited to offer super sitter classes. Participants will learn first aid and CPR along with safety, business, and basic child care skills. Classes are for ages 11 to 15 and will be held at Terrebonne General. Upon completion of the program, students will receive a two-year American Red Cross Babysitter CPR first aid certification. Our summer sessions are about to kick off. For class schedules and prices or to register, call 985-850-6204 or visit tghealthsystem.com. There's a whole lot to look forward to this weekend, man. There's so many games around the state tonight, high school-wise. There's so many games around the country. 
college and pro-wise. Heck, there's some college football tonight that's very enticing. If you're not into the high school stuff, you could stay at home, watch Florida State and Louisville. That'll be good. Air Force taking on Wyoming. That'll be good. Both games will be entertaining and exciting in their own ways. Um, last night in the NFL, you had the Chargers falling 27-24 to against the Kansas City Chiefs. I watched that game back via highlights and via social media reaction and everything of the sort. I didn't watch it live because I was at the Ellen Rachel Bourgeois game. Um, the difference in the game was a coaching mistake by the Chargers. The difference in the game was the Chargers made a big mistake in the red zone through an interception that got returned for a touchdown in a situation where you just can't afford to have something like that happen. A wide receiver for the Chargers catches a couple of passes in a row, um, and he's asking out of the game. He's tired. He's saying, Coach, I can't go. I need a blow. Um, I, I I need relief. You know, come get me. All that good stuff. He's uh, Jared Everett, by the way, is the player. He's signaling, I, I have nothing left. Chargers coaching staff says, ah, suck it up. Justin Herbert rolls out to the right. Um, Jared Everett's kind of half-assed running his route because he's gassed. He can't go anymore. Herbert throws it that way. Defender jumps the route. gets intercepted. gets taken for a touchdown. The Chiefs win 27-24. They never look back after that. The Chargers are an interesting situation because they have all of the talent in the world. You've got big playmaking receivers, right? And they were without one of their big playmakers last night. But you got Mike Williams and Eckler and, you know, heck, even the Everett guy last night played well. And Sonny Michelle is not a bad backup running back. He's been a starting running back on championship-level teams. Justin Herbert is a, a monster at quarterback. He was playing with probably broken ribs last night, just didn't stop moving. 33 of 40, 48, 334, three touchdowns, and then the one interception return. Defensively, you've got guys like Derwin James and Khalil Mack and you know, Josh Harris, Joey Bosa, Asante Samuel Jr., J.C. Jackson. Like You've got premier top-flight players and a really good defense. But yet annually, it feels like this team falls stuck in that 9-7. and seven, And I get now that it's nine, not 9-7 nine and seven anymore as you play 17 games, but that 10-7, and 9-8 type area. They never could fully break through. And it's time that they figure out some ways to break through because this is too good of a team to be dealing with that. I don't know that Brandon Staley is the dude there. I don't know how much longer Brandon Staley is going to be the dude there. This is his second season. They were 9-8 and eight last year, 1-1. One and one. Of course, a lot of folks got on Staley last year for how he handled the 17th game where they could have made the playoffs if they got the tie, but he wanted to push forward. He wanted to win the game, Jeebers by golly, and they ended up losing and missing the playoffs. A lot of folks turned on him then, which then put a lot of pressure on him. And in addition to there being a lot of pressure on him, a lot of folks are saying, hey, Sean Payton actually kind of wants that job. He wants to live in Los Angeles. He wants Justin Herbert. So what I'm getting at is this is going to be a big month or so for Brandon Staley and the Chargers. You lose to the Chiefs. You had an opportunity. You kind of outplayed them last night. Now you got Jaguars, Texans, Browns, and Broncos, Seahawks, Falcons coming up. With the exception of Denver, you don't fear anybody on that list. You don't fear anybody on that list. So the Chargers are poised. Now they better go on a run. 
Because if you get in a situation where you stub your toe against the Browns on the road, you lose to Denver, and you have hiccups here and there, and in a month or so you're still around 500, it's time. It's time. Quite frankly, it's time. So we'll see how the Chargers rebound from this. The Saints are taking on Tampa Bay on Sunday, and this will be a matchup where New Orleans has has been the only team in the NFL that's had really any success against Tampa in recent years. They and the Rams. I saw a stat that in like the last two, three years, Brady is like one and seven against the Saints and the Rams, and then has like just three losses against everybody else in the NFL. One of the things that New Orleans has done so well to make Tom Brady uncomfortable is they have gotten a rush in his face. Push defensive lineman in his face. Which, look, he's 45. He don't want to get hit. So what that does is that forces him to throw it quick. Often we see inaccurate passes at the feet of receivers or even interceptions at times. So if New Orleans can continue to generate that rush right in front of Brady, they'll continue to have success and they'll make this an ugly, dirty football game. On the flip side to that, I want to see how the New Orleans offense handles the Tampa defense. Tampa is loaded defensively. They've got defensive linemen for days. They've got linebackers like Devin White who run like gazelles. They've got defensive backs now. They retooled their secondary. They're going to be a tough matchup for just about anybody. I want to see how Winston and the Saints offense handle that, especially being that the New Orleans injury report is extensive. There are a lot of people on the New Orleans injury report this week. A lot of the guys, look, are expected to play. A lot of the guys are expected to play. But Paulson Adebo may still be out. Cam Jordan is listed as questionable. Mark Ingram it was a limited participant. Uh, Jameis Winston was limited. Um, Traquan Smith, limited. So New Orleans has a lot of guys who are beat up. Now, on the flip side to that, Tampa has a lot of guys who are beat up too now. Uh, Julio Jones and Mike Evans and the, you know, Fournette and all those guys have been limited throughout the week in practice. But... Um, I think that a lot of the Tampa guys is just rest situations, veteran team. I think New Orleans guys are more of a, hey, we're actually hurt and may not play type of thing. So we'll see how it goes on Sunday. This is an opportunity, and I said this on an earlier show this week, for New Orleans to make a statement that, hey, you guys are forgetting about us in the NFC. If you lose at home to Brady... um, this early in the year, I think it'll be a little demoralizing. You got to defend the dome. You got to beat these guys if you want to prove that you're one of the 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 end teams in the NFC. If you lose to Brady, and especially if you lose to Brady by multiple scores, you know, I think it'll be a little demoralizing. You kind of let fans know um, maybe we're not as far along as we thought we were. On the college football ranks, LSU will be hosting Mississippi State in Death Valley. The Tigers are actually an underdog tomorrow, a two-and-a-half-point underdog against the Mississippi State team that comes in 2-0. They have beaten Memphis to start the year 49-23, have beaten Arizona to start the year 39-17. Arizona and Memphis are both, frankly, not powerhouse programs. Uh, neither team is expected to you know, be a juggernaut or contending for the college football playoff, but they took care of business and did what they had to do, and now it's going to be up to LSU to match that energy and that intensity. With Mississippi State and a Mike Leach offense, you know you've got to limit their big plays, but you also got to make the quarterback uncomfortable early in the down sequence because the Leach offense, you know, look, we fall in love as, you know, guys who play video games and everything. We think, 
oh, the Texas Tech offense, they're throwing a bomb every play. No, they really don't. What they do is they nickel and dime you all game. Little five, six-yard hook, little three, four-yard slant. They use the short passing game almost as a running game. Rodgers is 77 of 98 coming into the game, which is 78% completions. That's ridiculously good. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions. LSU has to limit that short passing game early in the down and distance sequence. If they do that and they force Mississippi State into some third and eights and third and nines, and that's not the way that Mississippi State wants to play. And if they do that, LSU could have some success. But if it's second and two and then, oh, you know, not even getting a third down because we're getting the first down on second down, if they're staying ahead of the chains, your defense is going to live on the field. You're never going to get off the field, and they're going to have great opportunities to, to stay out there, control the entire pace of the game. I want to see how Jaden Daniels in the LSU offense plays. They didn't look good against Florida State early, right? We all know this. We've hashed and rehashed that game a million times by now. The last three drives, they switched it up tempo, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. The last touchdown was a 99-yard touchdown drive. They went down the field in less than a minute. Then on Southern, last Saturday, taking on Southern, short week of preparation, didn't miss a beat, scored 37 points in the first quarter, moving down the field like nothing. Touchdown, 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 touchdown. Facing another Power 5 caliber opponent, can Daniels and the LSU offense move the ball freely? Can John Emery give LSU some big play burst, right? Because that's probably the one thing that LSU has been lacking is explosiveness in the running game. They haven't had a whole lot of big explosive plays in the running game. Can Emery catch a couple of passes out of the backfield, maybe get a, take a toss sweep 20, 25 yards, give the LSU offense a little bit of a burst? If he does that, I think the Tigers could be in good shape going towards the um, the fourth quarter. Give yourself a chance. Let that home crowd maybe carry you forward. If they get off to a strong start, take the crowd out of it early, it could maybe be a long day. But I'm telling you all, Mississippi State's not bad. So we'll see how this one shakes itself out. And then from the Nichols perspective, the Colonels just got to play better, man. They've got to play better. In all areas right now, they've been lacking. Defensively, they're not tackling well. Offensively, they're not playing well. You're taking on Southeast Missouri, who's a team that has played much better than you have early in the season. Nichols tomorrow at 2 o'clock. I want to see a rejuvenated Colonel squad. You're 0-2. You face two Sunbelt schools. It's two games you were underdogs in. Hey, no biggie. You flush those. Now facing Southeast Missouri, this is potentially a team that you could face in a playoff setting if you're fortunate enough to make it there. I want to see a new spirit, a new effort, and um, a little more life, frankly, out of the Colonels team. And I think that we'll see that this coming week. Let's catch a break when we get back. Chandler Guitro, South Lafouche High School. We'll ask him about how the freshman team did. And then we'll also maybe chat a little bit about the varsity club as the Tarpons are taking on the Trojans tonight in Galliano. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. It's Ram Power Days at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups of their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Whether you need a truck for work or home life, the Ram will do its job. Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa, here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Some people just have a knack for being there when you need them the most. Like your third grade classmate who sticks up for you against that bully. The neighbor who gives you a jump start. 
and the friend who chases away that flock of geese at your outdoor wedding. Your State Farm agent has your back, too, through good times and the not-so-good. And who's got your agent's back? State Farm, the company people have trusted for more than 90 years. We're here to help life go right. Call State Farm agent Ashley Barrios and cut off today at 985-632-0988. At Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. Did you or your loved ones go without this hurricane season? Well, this year, go with Industrial Power Systems, your only local power generation professional serving Lafouche for over 18 years. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators for the most trusted brands in the industry. Generac, Kohler, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins Onan, and many more. Industrial Power Systems. Power is our middle name. Call us today at 632-1692 or come see us on the back road in Galliano. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you and load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. Welcome back to Play by Play here on KLEB. We go to the phone lines for the first time today. We go to Chandler Guitros over at South Hoosh High School. He's the head baseball coach, also the freshman football coach out there. Coach, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Hey, good morning, Casey. Doing well. Yep. Uh, oh, afternoon, man. I ain't used to that. No, that's right. All good. All good. Um, brother, you guys played your freshman game, I believe, on Wednesday, maybe Tuesday. I'm not sure. The days all lose track of them. Um, how'd everything go when you guys are taking on the Trojans, bro? Yeah, competitive again, man. Uh, lost 21-14. We uh, we did a poor job tackling in the first half uh, that led to some points, and we also uh, had three uh, turnovers. We were minus three in the uh, turnover battle. And all three of those turnovers were we were in a scoring position inside the 25-yard line. So uh, that was kind of story of the game. We felt like we moved the ball very well. Uh, just a couple of turnovers and a poor job of tackling, and that led to the result. Coach, give us a rundown of um, you know some of the areas. Obviously, you just touched on one with the turnovers. What are some areas that you guys are looking to improve on in the next week of practice ahead, man? Yeah, uh, tackling for sure. In fact, uh Coach Young laughed at me yesterday. Our practice plan was divided up, and we, we have to have water breaks in between. It was stretch, Oklahoma drill, water break, Oklahoma drill, water break conditioning, and that's, that's, that's what we did. We, we hit, we tackled. It's uh, getting a little bit more physicality with our kids right now because right now we're just uh, not doing a very good job in that aspect as far as hitting or wrapping. We're trying to stay way too high, and, uh, you know, getting, uh, you know, it looks bad. You know, it, it looks bad whenever you, uh, you're trying to do that at this level. Uh, so uh, definitely sure enough tackling. And uh, like I talked about, turnovers, just taking care of the football, valuing the football, and finishing drives, man. We're uh, we getting, you know, 10, 12 play drives together. And, uh, you know, it's discouraging to have them in that way uh, as they have the last couple of weeks. 
Tell us about um, you know some of the kids who played well on uh, earlier in the week against the Trojans. Who were some of the guys who st- stood out and, and you know made a mark and, and did some good things? Uh, Terrence Pete battled his butt off, man. He was uh, kind of limping after the game just from uh, getting hit so much, but running around a little bit. But uh, the guy just—he's a warrior, man. He's a warrior. And our offensive line did a great job all night. I mean, we uh, you know we had room to move the ball and really do whatever we wanted. Michelle, those guys out at left tackle, we have. Uh, Jeremiah Allen, left guard. We have Logan Michelle. Our center is Tucker Dantin. Our uh, right guard is Sawyer Wells. And our right tackle uh, the other day was Christian Amaro. Those guys did a fantastic job up front and uh, really gave our offense a chance. And we're getting better in that department every week. They're getting a, uh, you know doing a great job understanding our zone concepts. And I uh, think we have a couple of guys that will be able to step in and help uh, pretty early next year. So give us a rundown of the mood on campus today. It's a big day. You guys are having a pep rally, taking on Central Lafouche. It's a home game. The weather should be nice. Everything's adding up for a very nice day. Hopefully the Tarpons play well on top of that and can get a win. How's how's everything on campus, bro? I'm sure there's a little bit of electricity in the air. Yeah, man, everybody's jacked up. It's going to be our first pep rally in a couple of years. Uh, You know, Bleed Blue Day, all the kids are just uh, running through excited. This is the first one since a normalcy. Uh, you know, it's trying to almost having to calm down every class whenever they uh, first get in. Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's what you want. You know, that's what you want. High school's supposed to be fun, and uh, the kids on campus are definitely jacked up. And I'm just glad that, uh, you know, the administration being able to give them some of these experiences back that they've lost over the last couple of years. Uh, but great move. We're going to be going out to a pep rally in about an hour. Uh, like I said, first one we've had in a while. Uh, so, I mean, it's not just football players. It's band, it's cheerleaders, uh, dance team, tarpanets. It's everybody involved, uh, so it's just really great that we get to, you know, get back to, you know, the South Lafouche way the way it used to be. Bro, let me ask you about, well, first off, where's the pep rally going to be? I mean, you guys are don't have a gym. I was, as I'm thinking, I was like, where the heck are they doing? Are you guys going to move it into the football stadium? Oh, yeah, we're in the stadium, man. It's uh, going to be an outdoor pep rally at about 1.30. Okay, cool. Now, next question I was going to have, at the younger levels, when you're playing freshman ball, uh, do those rivalry matchups still have a little bit of that energy and a little bit of that oomph? Like when you're taking on Central, do the kids recognize and realize, hey, man, like this is a big one, or when you're facing Thibodeau, or and does it still have that little bit of extra you know, sense of urgency to it? Yeah, they do, man. And during the week, it's not just talking about Central Fuji. They're talking about Raceland and Lockport and what they did at the middle school level. They, they know those kids. They've been playing against each other all their lives. So, uh, yeah, absolutely, from the kids' perspective, uh, you know, they definitely get up to play each other. They know each other. Uh, they give a, trying to give each other a little scouting report. Okay, this guy could do this, this guy could do that. So uh, it's, it's not as much as the school versus school, I would say. It's more, I don't want to say personal in a negative way, but it's personal. They, they're friends. They know these guys. All right, so let's talk about this. Um, we had you on last Friday, and then, heck, probably about two hours or so after we had you on, the entire LHSA changed. You know, the, you guys are going to now be playing in what is called Division One, which is the highest level of classification that you could play. Um, I don't know how long that's going to last because everybody seems to not like this, but we do know that it's here now. And Coach Colley was telling me that any motion or, you know, amendment to try to change the current formula is not possible for January because the deadline for that was August 31st, which means they had the books cooked from the beginning. So what are your thoughts as you're seeing all this play out and you guys are going to be shuffling around? And what are your thoughts as you're seeing how this all went down in Baton Rouge? 
Yeah, look, it's, uh, it's just discouraging, man, the, the, just the way it went down. You know, we talked last week, I was all talking about the 4A bracket and how it would shake out, not even thinking about a possibility of playing in a 5A bracket. And I'm not. I'm going to speak strictly on the baseball side. I don't want to put any words in Coach Williams or Coach Young's mouth. Uh, but it's discouraging, man. You play a 4A schedule. We, we play in the toughest 4A district in the state. I'd say overall maybe in baseball, one of the best overall districts top to bottom in the state of Louisiana. And then uh, you, you run through that gauntlet, and then you get to go see a, you know, a 5A playoff bracket whenever your school's numbers are closer to the smallest 3A school than the largest 5A school. You know, it's, uh, it's discouraging, but it is what it is. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're going to strap up. You know, we got to go play Barb in a second-round playoff series. We're going to go play Barb. We're going to give them hell. And uh, ain't nothing that we could do about it as coaches. We're going to, you know, we're going to prepare our kids the same way that we always do. I love what we built in our program over the last five years. I think this is as good as it's ever been. Um, I know that. That's not an opinion. This is as good as our program's ever been uh, this five-year run. Uh, so it's, it's going to be a challenge. But you know what? We're, we're going to face it head on. And, uh, you know, I'm sure our kids will be excited for the opportunity. One of the things that I think is the most ridiculous about this, Coach, is that if you look on the football side, Eleanor and, you know, Assumption, they're not going over to Division One, whereas they will be going over for baseball. So what you're likely to have is a situation where when we redistrict in the future, football will be in different districts than basketball and baseball. To me, the lack of uniformity there I think is ridiculous, and I don't know what your future baseball district is going to look like, but the fact that it won't look anything like your football district to me is just absurd, and I wish they would have figured out a better way to do that. No, I hadn't even thought about that. But how did you mention it? That that's absurd. <laughs> I mean, uh, you know, it's it's troubling. But at the same time, it's I never understood it. Those two years that I coached volleyball, how we're in a district with Terrebonne High during the regular season, but we're not there. Five. It, it was yep. weird, man. It, it's weird. Uh, so uh, it's definitely going to take some getting used to, and you know, scheduling wise, because uh, for baseball, basketball, we always follow the football schedule going down to the auto you play them, and then home versus away. Uh, but that's going to change, and now now you have to set up your own schedule on your own. I just don't know logistically how this is going to work. Um, and that, that's another thing too about the timing of this. Most schools have their most baseball teams have their schedule set in stone right now. You could add a couple of things here and there, but uh, now that you're looking at PowerPoints in a 5A bracket, that totally changes everything. I mean, last year we were a seven seed in 4A based on our, our PowerPoints. I, I mean, I haven't looked at it, but. Uh, you know, a quality team like HL Bourgeois last year has a good, great season, and they're in the low twenties. You know, it's, it's not the same. So, uh, right now, I mean, you almost stuck with the schedule you got. Are you stabbing the people in the back as a coach? You got it's, it's it's tough. Uh, we we put in a pretty bad spot right now. Have you guys gotten any guidance officially in terms of okay, you're playing a four A district in a five A bracket? Will you still get the extra power points when you face Thibodeau or Terrebonne or whatever it may be? Uh, talking to Coach Colley last week, that's, uh, that's the way that he was interpreting it. So as far as I know, that's the way it is. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> you know, they might come up with a different – they might change the whole point system next week. Uh, I don't know. We might – I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, – the way that they change things so quickly is just unbelievable. Uh, so who knows what surprises lie ahead as far as news we get and uh, when we'll get it. Yep, no doubt. Last question before we let you go. I know you're focused heavily on the on the freshman side of things, but varsity-wise, do you know any keys to victory, any little pieces of the game plan you could share as the Tarpons are taking on a Trojans team that looked that much improved? They're coming down the bye trying to win. This will be a good ball game tonight. Yeah, everything I've heard is uh, Central's back's uh, pretty solid, and uh, he's the guy that makes them go. 
Uh, I think that, uh, you know, for us, uh, just in the coach's office here and different things, it's going to be about eliminating the big play, being sure tackling. I think that that's a, a kind of a common theme uh, right now. But uh, I think tackling is key and sustaining drives and, uh, you know, not shooting yourself in the foot. You know, we didn't have uh, really, I don't recall too many penalties last Friday, but, uh, you know, the snaps, things like that, they get you behind the chains. Uh, we have an offense that's capable of being explosive, so it's going to be about uh, making sure we take care of the football, staying ahead of the chains, establishing drives, and not allowing the home run on defense. I'll put you on the spot before I let you go. LSU and the Saints are both exactly two-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. Which one is more likely to win this weekend? Uh, I'm going to go with the Saints, uh, more likely to win. I like both, actually. Uh, Mississippi State probably right now is at a better stage in their program than LSU is, but uh, you know, it's Brian Kelly's first big SEC game at home. I think we'll see some. Uh, I think we'll see something pretty special tomorrow night. Uh, but you know, the Saints have Tampa Bay's number with Tampa Bay's receivers being out. I think it could be a long day for them if the Saints are able to stop the run. Uh, obviously, need a better showing than uh, than last Sunday, but I, I don't think that's the team that we'll see the rest of the year. Sounds like a winner. Thanks so much for the time, bro. See you tonight. All right, Casey. I'll have a good weekend, man. Yep, you too. That is Coach Chandler Guitros with South Lafouche High School. Look, man, <laughs> and I'm not laughing at Chandler. Chandler, if you're listening on the radio, please know I'm not laughing at you. The fact that there's so much unknown, the fact that a varsity head coach knows so little, and it's not that he's out of the loop, it's not that he's not paying attention, it's that the information that we're requesting and asking about isn't available. No one knows. I could call you know, the head of the coaches association. They're not going to know. Um it's madness, bro. And I'm not going to do that segment. I'm not going to cut another one of those promos and all, bro, LHS, LHSA, this and that. Don't need to do all that. Um, it is crazy. It is crazy. We're walking into uncertain times. We're swimming in troubled waters. I don't know what the future is going to look like, but I know this. There are a lot of folks who are really, really nervous about the history of our, or the of the future history or the next several months of the Athletic Association and where things may go. Let's catch a break. When we get back, we're going to Damien St. Pierre for his weekly Friday interview. It's play-by-play on KLEB. We'll ask Damien about LSU and the Saints and wrestling and everything in between. Maybe some middle school as well. Not maybe, definitely some middle school as well. Let's catch a break on KLEB. We'll be right back after this. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun. 102.7 FM. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. Hey, Mike Davis here. Looking for your next new vehicle? Come check us out at Golden Motors. Price is priority. Come place your very own order or choose what is in stock or coming in. Many 2022 Silverado trucks and SUVs to choose from. New vehicles are here on the way. Chevy, find new roads. And if you're looking for that slightly pre-owned or any make and model vehicle, we have it in our huge selection or don't see it, we can get it. Just stop by on the back road and cut off or call us at 985-325-1000. One of our top local supporters is GIS. GIS is a strategic energy partner with main headquarters located in Galeano, Louisiana. With over 20 different locations and over 20 service offerings, GIS has expanded itself to provide their capabilities across the nation as well as globally. There are many opportunities available to join the GIS team. You can visit their website at www.gisy.com to learn more about starting your career with GIS today. 
The Cutoff Youth Center's Hurricane Festival is back and better than ever September 23rd through the 25th. The fair kicks off with music by Orange, followed by the Gordon Bradbury Band. Saturday's lineup has been Bruce and the Acadians, Rough and Ready, and music by Shorts in December. And on Sunday, it's no other than the famous Waylon Thibodeau. Enjoy pay one price rides, great Cajun food, auctions, craft boots, and a raffle drawdown for $6,000. Free parking and free admission. So join us for the Cutoff Youth Center's Hurricane Festival, September 23rd through the 25th. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at DufresneLumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the do-friend difference. If you have a pest control problem, Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies has an experienced staff that can guide you with the products to use yourself for your home or business. They carry a full line of professional products for termites, mosquitoes, ants, wasps, fleas, bedbugs, mice and rats, or any other pest control needs you may have. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. Call 985-475-3314. That's Roundtree's Pest Control and Supplies. At Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley John's Blue Boot Foundation. When you order curbside pickup on the new Rouse's shopping app, you pay the same price for groceries as in-store. And you get free pickup on all orders, $35 or more. Download the new Rouse's shopping app on the App Store or get it on Google Play. Place your order, choose your curbside pickup time, and your Rouse's Market's personal shopper will shop your order for you. And load your groceries into your car. It's just that easy. Rouse's Market. Feels like home. <laughs> I'm laughing because, man, like, I feel like this is the, the heel segment of the show. What better intro music than some Hollywood Hogan? Like, I'm picturing Damien walking into the studio playing guitar on a belt. Damien, good afternoon, buddy. How are you doing? We, we couldn't have introed you any better today, man. Man, that was that's great. That is that is great right there. I couldn't I could not have picked a better intro song than that. <laughs> Let's talk some middle school football first, and then we'll talk get to some of the bitty and some of the other stuff. Uh, I know you're a golden medal guy, and I meant I made the comment to you on Wednesday. I think it was that they played. I said, dude, look, um, golden medal starting to win some games, but it's not just because of a step down in competition. Like they're actually starting to play very well. We've seen some shotgun. They're throwing a little bit. They're running a little bit. Their defense is getting better. The kids are believing in themselves. Coach Curo, Coach Brune, you know, Lawrence, and everybody involved, they've got it rolling. They're, they're playing some good ball right now. That's some fun football to watch, man. They're, they're doing a lot of different things on offense. They're going to be a, a little hard to prepare for because they're, they, they're getting to a point where they're doing a lot of different things, and uh, they got a lot of options. Kids are starting to believe in what they're trying to do, and it, it, it's fun to watch. The defense is coming together. You got the uh, the secondary making some plays. You got Ryan Green with two interceptions. Could have easily been three if 
if, uh, if, if the ball bounces a little more his way, and it's going to be tough. Uh, they're going to be a tough out coming up. And I know I talked to Coach Brunet after the game. He said he's got a lot more to install. Uh, just like I said, man, it'd be tough to prepare for, and they're playing some good football right now. You're a Golden Medal guy, so me asking you about LCO may be sacrilege, and I apologize in advance. But, dude, next Tuesday they're taking on E.D. White that's undefeated against undefeated. Bro, I don't care if you're playing high school ball, middle school ball, Bantam ball, Biddy ball. Anytime you get two undefeated teams together, that's going to be a lot of fun. I know you know a lot of the kids on that other side uh, with LaRose. That's going to be a big, big matchup. That's going to be a huge crowd, too, because those LCO fans turn out in droves. That'll be a big one on Tuesday. Same thing for EDY. They they always travel well, and uh, any like you said, anytime you get two undefeated programs going against each other, the game's going to mean a little bit more. Especially, you know, seventy five percent into the season already. Um, two dis- very very disciplined programs, and you and I talked off the air. You know, almost for middle school, if you could be disciplined and stop the big plays, you're going to be successful. You're going to give yourself a chance to win the game. Both of these programs do an excellent job of that. Um, at this point, it's going to be, you know, kind of who's the healthier team going in there. I know. They both, like I said, both of them run very disciplined offensive sets, and, and and don't give try not to give up those big plays. It's going to be an interesting game. I haven't laid eyes on LCO yet. I have seen that one game for Ed White where Jay got better every single snap. It seemed like, and from from the first snap in the first quarter to the fourth quarter, I was almost looked like a, a totally different team. So, should be a great game. Go out and, and, and check the boys out and give them some support because they they worked hard to get to where they are. No doubt. Let's talk some bitty basketball. You guys hosted your final registration night last night over at the LaRose Civic Center. Give us a rundown of the numbers. And, you know, if there are any restaurants, any mom or dad who's listening and hearing, man, I didn't know about Biddy, can they still sign up their child? So we are taking limited um, registrations right now. It just kind of depends on the on the number uh, of the age group. Excuse me. My board's going to kill me, but come on, let's, let's, let's sign them up. Right now we're currently at 500. 73 uh, registration uh, registration kids registered, and we're, we're hoping to get to that 600 mark. That, that's kind of our benchmark of where we'd love to be. Um, looking to start our, our older kids in the next couple weeks. We are looking for some coaches. That's that's kind of the, the need right now. That's that's the heavy point. Um, if, if you have any interest in coaching, get in touch with us uh, through, our, through our Facebook. Contact me on Facebook, and we'll, we'll get you signed up to, to coach some of these kids. And Boys, girls from 4 to 14, most of those groups, we, we need coaches, and we're not going to be able to start our season until we have everything kind of situated. So that's, like I said, that's the, the hot and heavy point at the moment. But tremendous, tremendous support uh, for, our, for our coming together, especially with our South LaFouche League. Now we have which encompasses South LaFouche area and the LaRose area. Uh, a lot of good ideas floating around. We've got some meetings coming up. We'll try to get everybody on board to what we want to get accomplished. But season should be starting within the next three to four weeks. Like I said, the 14-year-olds, group is going to start pretty soon because got middle school ball coming up and um proud to say uh, i'm going to be at golden medal middle school uh as a, as a lion as the head basketball coach yeah so so give us a rundown you say you need coaches that's just across the spectrum or is there any more uh age groups in particular than others that they're needed you know kind of talk about that so i don't have the numbers in front of me but i know we're upwards to about 18 to 20 needed coaches in various age groups uh probably more on the younger younger group, the four fives and the sixes, and then the seventh and eighth. Usually those tens have, have coaches that have been following them, and then the twelves kind of the same deal. So the younger groups, and that's that's the groups that are, are like I say, one group's more important more important than the other. But as far as teaching fundamentals and, and just knowing the game and teaching the game, that's uh, you know really important to try to get those those coaches in there that that can work with these kids. 
So let's talk a little bit of college football. LSU's got a big one on Saturday, or tomorrow rather. They're hosting Mississippi State. It's an opportunity to show that they maybe righted some of the wrongs from the Florida State game against a program, frankly, that's playing well. Mississippi State comes in with two straight wins. They've got a great quarterback. Their coach is a lunatic, but he's a lunatic who knows what he's doing. What are you expecting? The Tigers are a home underdog tomorrow. I've heard a couple of people say, hey, man, that Mississippi State line should be even more. But I've also heard people saying, hey, if you make an LSU or a road or somebody a home underdog, that's flirting with trouble. ESPN's football power index says LSU has a 57% chance to win, which leads you to believe maybe they should be favored in the game. How are you breaking this one down? It's a toss-up. LSU has to get off the field on third down. You got Will Rogers on the other side of the field, who I think is third in the NCAA in passing yards. Um, you got a Mississippi State, in my opinion, a team kind of on that upward swing. Mike Leach is kind of known for his third year. Um, you know, his team's kind of coming together in that third year. But then again, you got Brian Kelly's first game in Tiger, uh, first SEC game at Tiger Stadium, and there's always some magic in that place. It's hard for me to pick against LSU at home, and I'm not going to do it now. I think it's a it's it's almost at a pick 'em stage right now. I just think uh, I think LSU's kind of got it together. I think if those games are flip flopping, and probably everybody's saying this, but if those games are flip flopping, they play if LSU plays Southern first and Florida State second, I think you're looking at an undefeated LSU team coming into this week. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think one of the big things this week, and look, they did it very well last week, and I get it. It was against Southern. But they got Keyshawn Boutte involved early. They ran a reverse. They threw it short to him a couple times. I think he's got an opportunity to right a lot of wrongs and to shut up a lot of people like myself and go get 100 yards, seven, eight catches, a touchdown or two. I'm looking to see what he's going to bring to the table. The last time he was on the big stage, he fell flat. But I'll say this, and I was actually at the LSU Southern game. He busted his butt in warm-ups before the game. He was laser-focused. I didn't see any pouting or anything of the sort last week. Looks like he, you know, kind of dug his heels back in, and I think he's going to have a big game Saturday. Casey, listening to you and Coach Cop Brian Colley on Friday, you guys were talking about the game and talking about kind of the same stuff that we're talking about right now. And Coach Colley said, "I hope they don't force feed him the ball just because he's crying." And in the game, I'm going into that. Coach Colley's voice always rings in the back of my head, spending that much time uh, coaching with him, and you know, having our friendship that we have with him. His voice is always in the back of my mind. Uh, either to make sure that he knows that he's wrong or either to quietly say that he's right. Uh, and he's first play of the game, it's like he's not even looking at the ball and the ball almost hits him in the back. I was like, man, college right on the freaking money again. Um, I hope they, they get him in the game, but I hope it's in the natural flow of the game. And like, college, like Coach Colley said, not to force feed him the ball because there's so many other athletes that LSU has. I think if they could key on maybe that second and third option and not force Butte the ball, that he'll get open naturally and starting that progression that he's that he's had some success doing throughout his entire career already. I never asked you about this. They're going to be expanding the playoffs here in college football, and I think it's really funny, right? Because the rest of the country, for whatever reason, thinks that this will give them a better opportunity to win the national championship. Whereas, look, I got a feeling I know where you're going to go with this, but I know this is that. Okay, if you got three or four SEC teams instead of one or two, it just makes it more likely that one of the three or four SEC teams is going to win it all. Like, I feel like what the rest of the country thinks is going to be a good thing for them is going to end up backfiring big. We're going to see a lot of nine and three, 10 and two SEC teams get in the playoffs and make a run. What are your thoughts as you're seeing the expanded playoff coming into fold here? Uh, I, I love it. To be honest, I love it. I think it's going to give teams that 
are maybe lost some games late, but that are still deserving of, of being in that discussion, of being in that in that in that national championship game, give them an option. And I think it'll lead to maybe a little more uh, scheduling of better games later in the season. Uh, right now, we're kind of front-ending a lot of those games because if you lose in the beginning of the season, it doesn't hurt as much to lose in the beginning as it does in the back end. And what I'm loving about this is that the opening round games are going to be hosted on the campus yep. of, of the higher-ranked teams. That is going to be tremendous atmospheres. I love college football, and I love the atmosphere of college football, and I think those home playoff games, are going to be some special moments for a lot of those kids and a lot of fans, and I know I know I'm going to enjoy it for sure. The Saints played like dung for the first three quarters against Atlanta, and maybe that's even being nice. They couldn't move the ball, they couldn't stop the run, they couldn't really do anything. They do rally back in the fourth quarter and get a 27 to 26 win. Now they're facing Tom Brady, a team that you know the the Bucks and that they've had their number in recent years. Are the Saints more the team that started slow? Are they more the team that finished strong late? Is it somewhere in the middle? And can they beat Tampa Bay again in the Dome on Sunday? I want to know what happened in the tent with Jameis Winston. When he came out of that tent after the, after he went in that injury tent, it was a different team, different Jameis. I don't know if it, I'm not going to speculate what happened, but that's unbelievable. The way he was playing that first three quarters, goes in the injury tent, comes back, and looks like Joe Montana. At, I'm still scratching my head about that. You know, the Falcons, looking at the, at the NFL power rankings that ESPN put out, are the last place team. you got a quarterback that should be playing running back. you got a running back that should be playing wide receiver. you got a lot of people that are playing weird positions. Not that Mariota's a running back, but he, he does like to run the ball. Uh, a couple times, Atlanta had to settle for field goals. The defense stopped them. That would have been a game changer. Um, you know, I think the Saints have potential to play entire games like they did that fourth quarter. I just think uh, once Mariota fumbled late in the game, that it kind of changed, it kind of turned the tide and it gave the Saints a little momentum. And just like every other sport, they had a lot of momentum going in there. Now you're going into the dome uh, so on Sunday to face Tom Brady. I uh, didn't get a chance to watch him. I, I, I know that the Tampa Bay defense did really well. I'm not going to mention that the Dallas Cowboys are the only team in the NFL not to score a touchdown in, in a game on the first week of the season. Thanks for that. I'm not going to do that to you. Um, you know, everybody says the Saints have Tom Brady's number, but it just seems like that in the regular season. So, um, probably edge the Saints a little bit in this one, being that they're at home and they did, they've had some success in the regular season against Tampa Bay. Um, but they just they need to find a way to put four quarters together like they did that four quarter against Atlanta. Facing Brady, um, he looked a little rusty in the opener, and it leads to a better or greater discussion here is that. A lot of the teams who didn't play their guys in the preseason, New Orleans being included in that, started really slow. Tampa was the same situation. They got into the red zone a bunch, couldn't score. Cowboys didn't play their starters at all in the preseason. It showed they looked like, you know, terrible. Kansas City, on the other hand, played their starters in all three preseason games, and they have come out of the gates 2-0. and Do you think that we're going to revisit this? Because, look, man, I'm of the belief that if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt falling out of the shower. You're going to get hurt, you know, rolling an ankle, getting out of bed. Like, if it's meant for you to be injured, you're going to get injured. Do you think teams in the future are going to see this and say, man, I don't know, maybe we should get these guys a little bit more live work before we start the year? I think it all depends on how much the NFL lengthens the season. Because you got a lot of wear and tear on a lot of these guys, especially quarterback, like, like, a, like a Tom Brady who's 45 years old. Um, I think it's going to all depend on – I know they're talking about extending the season a little bit more. I think it's all going to depend on that. But everybody looks at every data point, uh, NFL, NBA, every every other sport is, is analytical now. So they're going to look at some of those numbers and, and kind of 
cater to what's going on there. But um, preseason, man, it's like they should almost shorten that to go into the regular season, in, in my opinion. So, I, you know, they're going to take a look at the analytics and they're going to kind of adjust from there and do, you know, do what's best for them. I, either way, I, I both teams, I mean, you'll have success either way or, or, or be terrible <laughs> either way. <laughs> so, Speaking of analytics, let's talk about that. I don't know if you saw Monday Night Football. The Broncos had the ball at near the 50-yard line. It was fourth and five and with a minute left and a running clock. Instead of calling a timeout, going forward on fourth and five with Russell Wilson, who you traded a bunch of picks and everything to get, they let the clock run all the way down to 20 and then kicked a 64-yard field goal, which they missed. As a coach, if you were in that situation, and I already gave my thoughts, I think it's ridiculous that when you got Russell Wilson, you would put the game on the foot of a kicker. What were your thoughts as you were seeing that? If you were the head coach of the Denver Broncos, what would you have done? I'm an old man, so I'm in bed for that by that time. But I did see the highlights on that. You got you got to give your give your your players a chance to to succeed and write a story. You got Russell Wilson coming back first game as a non Seahawk coming back and you know playing against the Seahawks, and you're going to sit there and not give them the opportunity to do something great. That's as a coach, a lot of it, a lot of a lot of decisions come down to being in that role over and over again, and then at the same time, it's a, it always you always got to answer your gut, you know. And, and I guess his gut told him to try a was it a sixty four yard field goal that was attempted. Yep. Um, you know, you you got to give you got to give your quarterback a chance to write his own story at that point, with especially with that much time remaining. So let's talk a little bit of uh, boxing here as we come up to uh, you know the end of the segment. We always like to talk some fighting and some wrestling. Uh, Crawford will be back on, on a show here coming up soon, and he's going to be challenged heavily. Tell us about that fight. He's going to be taking on Spence. That'll be a really, really good showcase of two of the best in the world. What are your thoughts as you're seeing that deal get signed? That's going to be November 19th. A lot of money thrown around. Who do you favor in the fight, bro? That's a lot of, that's a lot of time and effort going into signing that fight. I know Crawford, I believe, took, I don't know if it's one of the, one of the two, um, took some sharp money just to make this fight happen, just for to be able to, to be able to make this fight happen and cash in on the next fight. But man, until it, it Crawford looks bad, and look, I'm on location. I'm doing my, my first uh, my first on location interview here, so forgive the background noise. Uh, I, I think the winner's going to come out and, and definitely be ahead of the game and be one of the best in the world. But until until Crawford is uh, kind of dethroned, I, I'm, I'm not I'm not going against Bud Crawford. He's one of the best in the world. In case of a fight that we've been talking about forever, Triple G and Canelo, I believe, is this weekend. So that's that's, that's another uh, another fantastic opportunity for boxing fans to come back. Boy, and you're right. I'm just seeing that. Doesn't it like Triple G's loss in his last bout? Real and look, we we speculated this on the show. Would it really make the fight with with uh, Golovkin lose any luster? Can I'm mean, sure Canelo losing uh, in his last fight? Bro, it really has taken some luster off of that because, look, I didn't even realize that that fight was this weekend, whereas if they were both coming in hot, that would be big-time stuff, dude. That one loss there, I think, is going to hurt that gate a lot. Yeah, we talked about it for months before the fight was even signed, and now, you know, we're coming up on the on the day before, and we, we're, you know, we're just kind of entering into the chat right here. Um, yeah, it took a lot of luster off of that, and I think – and. I'm going to call myself out on that because I said that it wouldn't matter, but it, you know it does matter. It'll it'll definitely affect the buy rates. Canelo looked a little sluggish, a little old. You got to even though if you're going to lose that, you got to look exciting in the process, and he he did not do that. He kind of just sat down and, and went through the emotion of the fight. So definitely still going to 
check that out. But at the same time, uh, the buy rates will definitely not be as high as uh, as we talked about, you know, six months ago whenever we started talking about this fight. Last question before I let you go. You know, we talk wrestling here whenever we have you on. One of the big gripes that I'm hearing, and look, most of the talk surrounding wrestling is positive. Probably 80%, 90% of it has been positive. A lot of folks like the changes that WWE's made. One of the big gripes, though, is they don't have a world championship on either brand right now, because Roman Reigns is kind of doing the Brock Lesnar thing. He only shows up every once in a while on Raw. They're trying to make Bobby Lashley like into a quasi-world champion where he's kind of carrying the, the water, but it's just not the same. Um, D, at some point, they're going to have to either get Roman there or take it off of him, bro, because fans are wanting to see the presence of a world champion, and the world champion's not even in a storyline right now, and I think that's kind of hurting a little bit. That's the old school way of thinking, man. You know, Hogan wasn't on every show, and he didn't appear every once, every you know, every weekly program. And then whenever he did, it was something special. I think that's what they're trying to get back to. And I think you know, a little growing pains going into that. But if that's what they're trying to accomplish, I think I, the old school wrestling fan in me loves it because it's, it's something special. You know, and you know, growing up, you didn't always see the world champion on every show. You didn't see a you know, Ric Flair or Hogan or Sting on every on every possible time that that the camera was rolling. And then whenever you did see him, it was it was something special. It was a special feeling. So if they're getting to that, uh, you know, kudos for, for, for taking some time and investing. But if they're just keeping them off TV to do something else, they're, they're definitely dropping the ball. Good deal. Well, look, brother, we thank you so much for the time. Have a good weekend. i got a feeling we'll be chatting about football and everything throughout the course of the weekend. Take care, buddy. Absolutely, Case. Thanks again. Yep, that is Damien St. Pierre doing a wonderful job. As always, we love having him on and staying up to date with everything in the world of Biddy and middle school, and he knows college and pro, and we could chat with him about anything. Let's catch a break. When we get back, weekend predictions time. I got a bunch of them. We'll give you a rundown of what we think is going to happen in the next three days. It's play-by-play on KLEB. The French Connection, the all-new Raging Cajun, 102.7 FM. It's Ram Power Days at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups of their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Whether you need a truck for work or home life, the Ram will do its job. Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa, here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Join Talk on the buyer from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Monday through Friday on the Raging Cajun. We cover local news topics, politics, and entertainment each weekday. And it's all brought to you in part by Lady of the Sea General Hospital, Rev, Rouse's Markets, Heather Hendricks, candidate for Lafourche Parish Judge Division A, and Thibodeau Regional Health System. Talk on the buyer Monday through Friday from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Right here on the Raging Cajun KLEB 1600 a.m. and 102.7 FM. GIS started as a modest company in 1948 and has now blossomed to employing over 2,600 people throughout their GIS family of companies. GIS embraces the highest levels of safety, technology, and operational excellence to give their clients and projects a competitive edge on a global scale. Learn more and join their team today at www.gisy.com. Your life is mobile. So is your bank. As a state bank and trust company account holder, you can check your balances, view transactions, transfer funds, and pay bills anywhere or anytime with State Bank and Trust Company's online banking or mobility app. Call or stop by any State Bank and Trust location for all the details. State Bank and Trust Company. 
Cajun banking. Serve just the way you like it. Member FDIC. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Pesky mosquitoes, gnats, and all kinds of South Louisiana bugs taking over your yard? Have no fear, Buzz Off is here to save your summer. Buzz Off is the only locally owned pest control company focusing on your outdoor living space. They use 100% organic ingredients, safe to all humans and pets. Check us out on Facebook or book your appointment today at buzzoffnow.com. Need our cedar beaters now? Call 985-333-8989 today to take your lawn back. Buzz Off Mosquito Control, safe, effective, guaranteed. Welcome back to Play by Play. Hope everybody's enjoying themselves. We've got about another 20 minutes to spend. It's time to give our weekend predictions, some things I'm expecting to see over the weekend. Let's start off with I think that one that's an obvious one. South Lafouche and Central Lafouche tonight will be a shootout. An emotional game. Both teams are going to score. I think it's going to be a shootout. I don't think the Central Lafouche defense can consistently stop the Tarpon offense unless the Tarpon offense does things to shoot themselves in the foot. Like they did last week, quite frankly, they're not above, you know, making mistakes like that. And on the flip side to that, until the Tarpon defense shows me that they could consistently tackle a ball carrier for 48 minutes, I'm going to assume that Central Lafouche is going to make plays. Um, the Tarpon struggled to tackle against CCA. They struggled to tackle against HL Bourgeois. They struggled to tackle against St. Edmund. They struggled to tackle against Thibodeau. Every opportunity that we've had to see them work, They've had some issues until we see them prove otherwise. I'm going to assume that Central's going to get theirs and they're going to get some big plays also. I'm expecting a game where both teams are in the 30s. I'm expecting a game where both teams have some success. And I think that it's going to be a shootout and it may be a situation where the team that has the ball last or maybe the team that doesn't you know, have a turnover or whatever it may be could end up being the team that finds a way to win this game in this parish rivalry. I think this would be a good football game, though, and maybe even one of the games of the night locally in terms of how close it may end up being on the scoreboard. Prediction two, I think E.D. White's going to dominate Assumption tonight. And I know it's kind of cheap, it's kind of low-hanging fruit to just say, oh, bro, I think E.D. White's going to win because they win every week. But this week's a little bit different, right? Like Assumption's probably one of the better teams in the area, right? Like there are a lot of people in the area that that think that Assumption is is maybe even the second best team in, in the region for football. They're coming off of a win against Donaldsonville, but I think E.D. White is going to show their strength and show um, firsthand like, hey, we're not just the best team locally. We're the best team locally by a lot. They have outscored their opponents 73 to nothing in the first two games. Taking on Assumption tonight, I think they make a statement. I think that they pitch another shutout, and I think they beat up on Assumption tonight and let everybody know, like, hey, um, 
Like, we're those dudes. Like, we're capable of doing big things and being around in the final games of the year. I think EDY makes a statement. <sighs> this next one hurts. I think LSU's defense will struggle, and I think LSU's going to lose in Death Valley this weekend to Mississippi State. Over the long haul, I think that Brian Kelly's the dude in Baton Rouge, and I think that LSU's continuing to get better. I just don't think it's going to happen right now. LSU lacks depth. They lack the chemistry. They're not sound in a lot of areas where you've got to be sound. I think the Tigers are going to score, but I think they're going to have drive stall out because they're going to big give up big negative plays in terms of they're going to get sacked or they're going to give up a holding penalty because the left tackle is going to grab hold of a guy so the quarterback doesn't get sacked. I think that some of their deficiencies up front are going to limit them against a Mississippi State team that just shouldn't make those same levels of mistakes. I think the Tiger Stadium crowd is going to bother Will Rogers a little bit, but not a lot. And I think that LSU is going to fall tomorrow in Death Valley in a close one. It ain't going to be a blowout in a close one, like 31-28, whatever it may be. And I think that um, Mississippi State will improve to 3-0. And I think they're just a legitimate top 25 team. I was actually surprised to see coming into the week that they weren't already in the top 25, but I think they'll win in Death Valley and then get into the top 25. Next weekend prediction. I think Tom Brady and the Bucks are going to win a low-scoring, knockout, drag-out, ugly football game against New Orleans. I'm talking like 17-13 to 13 type of game. I think the Saints' defense will continue to slow Brady as they have in the past. But I think the Tampa defense is going to give some issues to Winston and the Saints. I think at the end of the day, what it's going to come down to, late in the game, Tampa's, I think, going to be able to run the ball a little bit more effectively than New Orleans can. Fournette maybe will break down that defensive front a little bit. Those Saints linebackers are not all the way on point. I think Tampa wins a close, hard-fought, 17-13 type game in the Dome on Sunday. Takes care of business, grabs control of the NFC South. Um in a game that I think is going to be very physical. If you like old school, hit the guy in front of you football, put your helmet into their helmet football, you're going to like Sunday's game between the Saints and the Bucks. I think that's going to be one where both teams are going to really be leaning heavily on one another physically. Next weekend prediction. Oh, Billy Joe, if you're listening, listen, you're going to listen close. You're going to like this one. I think Max Johnson is going to give Texas A&M a spark. I think Texas A&M is going to beat Miami this weekend and get back on track. The Aggies are 1-1, one and, one and they were struggling throughout the course of the season. They were woeful at quarterback in the first two weeks of the year. Like, dreadful. Couldn't be worse type of bad. Max Johnson, I don't think, is an elite SEC player. I don't think he's the best of the best. But I think he's far better than what they've been showing in recent weeks. I think Johnson's going to get outside of the pocket, make some of the easy throws, get the ball to some of their playmakers in space, whereas Haynes King was inaccurate, only had 461 yards in two games. Johnson will make some of the easier throws, some of the more routine throws, will keep the team on the field. They'll convert some third downs, have a little more time of possession. And I think that Max Johnson leads them to a victory over Miami and then likely assures himself that he'll stay the starter the rest of the year. Kid had 27 touchdowns and six interceptions last year. He's not terrible. My issue's always been the arm strength. I don't know that he's got a strong enough arm to be like the highest level. But he's sure better than what they've been playing in recent weeks, man, because the kid that they played the first two games, Haynes King, 
was not good. Not good. Held on to the ball too long, inaccurate. Couldn't see, you know, past his first read against Appalachian State. He was 13 of 20, 97 yards. Can't really run. Can't get out of his own way. I think that A&M is going to get a spark. I think they're going to beat Miami, and I think Max Johnson will be a big reason why. Next weekend prediction involving the SEC, I think Penn State's going to beat Auburn this weekend. I don't think Auburn's any good at all, y'all. Um, there's some internal issues there. They don't know if they like their coach or don't like their coach. They almost fired their coach after one year. They're playing TJ Finley out there. He's been brutally bad. One touchdown, three interceptions so far this year. They barely beat San Jose State at home last week. San Jose State is god-awful bad. The Auburn quarterbacks, they're playing two so far. One touchdown and four interceptions, and that's against not good competition. So when they take a step up in class and face Penn State this week, I think it'll be a brutal day for the Auburn offense. Penn State's coming into the game in the top 25. They're 2-0. and They got a victory in the opener and the thriller. They beat Purdue. They rebounded last week and crushed Ohio 46-10. to I think they're going to go on the road. They're not afraid to go on the road. They went on the road against Purdue and they'll take care of business and beat an Auburn team that I think is going to be the worst team in the SEC West. Next prediction. How about them Cowboys? I think my Dallas Cowboys are going to play with some life without Dak Prescott. Facing the Bengals, uh, it's going to be an angry Joe Burrow, right? Burrow didn't play well last Sunday. Turned over the ball like a bakery. Facing the Bengals, I think that Cooper Rush is going to do some things. Cooper Rush will not be an all-world, all-pro quarterback, but he's going to complete the easy ones. He's going to complete the third and fourth slant. He's going to complete the out patterns. He's going to be good. He's going to know where to get the ball. He's going to be good at the line of scrimmage. And I think the Dallas offense is going to be eerily similar with similar with Rush as they are with Prescott. I think Prescott has regressed in recent years. I think he's kind of in his own head a little bit. He was not good against Tampa even before the injury. And I think that we're going to see the Cowboys' offense be better and show a little bit more signs of life without Dak. Next weekend prediction, my Atlanta Braves get Ozzie Albies back, and he's going to give them a spark. The Braves need a spark. The Braves have been going balls to the wall, selling out, trying to catch the Mets. They've really not given anybody any days off. They've looked tired. They've had an off day yesterday as a team. They get Albies back tonight. I think that he's going to be a big, big part in them trying to chase down the Mets in the East. I don't know if it's going to be enough, but Ozzie was killing the ball in AAA during his rehab assignment. I think he's going to help Atlanta in a big way in their weekend series and beyond. Last weekend prediction, I'm expecting something big on SmackDown tonight. AEW posted a nice number yes, um, in their Wednesday show, sorry for Dynamite, of north of a million viewers. They are having a little bit better luck in terms of their viewership because of some of the internal drama. People are wanting to see how it shakes out. I think WWE is going to see that number, see that momentum building, and try to throw some water on it. I'm expecting something big to happen tonight at SmackDown. Uh, prediction for the fight, I think that Canelo Alvarez is going to beat Triple G. I don't think either guy is going to look good. I think both guys, quite frankly, are a little bit over the hill and washed up. Let's catch a break. When we get back, betting picks, I got three for you. It's play-by-play on KLEB. You're listening to KLEB, 1600 AM and K274DE, 102.7 FM, Golden Meadow.
Heather Hendricks here, your candidate for Lafouche Parish Judge Division A. Everyone votes in this race, from the Fouchon to the St. John community, up, down, and across the bayou. I've been your prosecutor for eight and a half years, trying over 100 jury and judge trials with federal, state, and local experience. Before practicing law, I was an eighth grade teacher in the public schools for 11 years. So remember, Heather Hendricks for Judge. Early voting begins October 25th, and the election is November 8th. Paid for by the committee to elect Heather Hendricks. Join Talk on the Bayou from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Monday through Friday on the Raging Cajun. We cover local news topics, politics, and entertainment each weekday. And it's all brought to you in part by Lady of the Sea General Hospital, Rev. Rouse's Markets, Heather Hendricks, candidate for Lafourche Parish Judge Division A. And Thibodeau Regional Health System. Talk on the bye Monday through Friday from 10 to 11.30 a.m. Right here on the Raging Cajun KLEB 1600 a.m. and 102.7 FM. Thibodeau Regional Health System is proud to be named the number one hospital in Louisiana for medical excellence in cardiac care by CareChecks. CareChecks evaluates hospital quality based solely on objective, quantifiable metrics. This recognition means when your heart is in our hands, you can have confidence in the safety and quality of cardiac care you'll receive. Your heart is truly in the best hands at Thibodeau Regional, named number one hospital in Louisiana for cardiac care. With a little Kurt Angle to close out the show. Hope everybody's enjoying their day. We'll thank our sponsors one more time. Very quickly, get you some betting picks, then we'll get out of here. Let's thank the Blue Boot Foundation, Southland Dodge and Homa, Industrial Power Systems for all your engine and generator needs. Biz Power is our middle name. Dufresne Building Materials got you covered for all your roofing needs. Buzz off the only all-natural mosquito control professionals providing guaranteed results. Rouse's Markets feels like home. Golden Motors, where price is priority, proudly supporting South Lavouche Athletics and community youth sports organizations. Tomorrow, 10 o'clock, the Sports Corner, presented by Terrebonne General Health System, Stan Gravois, and myself. We're breaking down all the Week 3 action in high school football and beyond, sponsored by State Bank and Trust Company, and then tonight, South Lavouche Football, uh, 6.30. Pre-game uh, kickoff, 7 o'clock, and then after the lights, presented by Grandal Shipyard, after the ball game. Um, Tonight, I like... The following, and I'll give you a little more than three today. How about that? I like the Astros minus one and a half against Oakland. I think the Verlander is going to be great. I think the Astros are going to beat up on Oakland. I like the Cardinals minus run and a half against the Reds. Jack Flaherty is coming back. Hopefully, he'll be strong. I like the um, Giants plus one and a half against the Dodgers with uh, with Logan Webb against Dustin May. So those are the baseball games I like. And here's some football games that I like over the weekend. We'll start in the college ranks, and I'll tell you that. I like um, Georgia minus 24.5 against South Carolina. To me, that's a no-brainer. I like Oklahoma minus 10 against Nebraska. Notre Dame mounts his back minus 11 against California. <clears throat> I like over 53.5 in the LSU game tomorrow. Then we go to the NFL schedule, and I could tell you that in the NFL, I like the following. I like the Lions minus one against Washington. I like Tampa minus two and a half against the Saints. I like under 40 for the Steelers and the Patriots. And then also, I like my Cowboys plus seven and a half against the Bengals. I think they'll keep it close. 
And one more, and then we'll get out of here. I like the Minnesota Vikings plus two and a half against the Philadelphia Eagles. Thanks to everybody for listening. It's been a wonderful week here on play-by-play. Thanks to Coach Chandler Guitros. Thanks to Damian St. Pierre for the time. Hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe. Stay cool. Find some time for some family. Enjoy the games. If you're going to a game, as I tell you guys every week, if you're going to a game and you see me in the crowd, don't be shy. Stop by. Say hello. This is Casey. Just go wrapping up play-by-play. Have a wonderful rest of the day. God bless everybody.